there are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are golden retrievers. Which means Tubi is more popular than using meat-flavored toothpaste. More popular than never figuring out what W-A-L-K spells. More popular than kicking your leg when a human rubs your belly just right. Tubi. It's more popular than golden retrievers. See you in there. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Everyone, uh, this is Andy Richter, uh, and I am here again uh, with another episode of the Three Questions. And I'm, I get to talk to a very funny person today. I, I usually say people are funny, and they're not that funny. They're honestly, I feel like when I say like this next person's real funny, usually that just means it's a lot of work for me <laughs> to make that come true. <laughs> But to, today I don't have to because oh, yeah. Now here's the pressure. Here's the pressure uh, because I have the, the extremely talented, wonderfully funny, much lauded, Emmy winning Jesse Klein, who Hi. is here. Hi, how are you? I'm so I'm so good. How are good, you? good. Um, so you now I see. You, are you in like an office setting? I'm in a little. This is my little pandemic. Uh, she. Shed that I rent. Oh God, that's not good. <laughs> <I forgot. laughs> she just showed a very unmade bed. Unmade bed. Um, covered in diarrhea. No. Just, Andy. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> we'll we'll edit that out. Back to one. Everyone back to one. <laughs> back no, to I, one. I rented this little um garden studio from this very lovely uh friend that I've had for the pandemic, and it's a great little workspace. In LA? Uh, in LA, yes. In LA, nice, yeah, yeah. I rented, I rented um, a little Where tiny office for a minute. I'm in Burbank. Okay. And uh, and years ago, I rented uh, a little office to write in uh, because my kids were little and I couldn't get anything done. Yeah. Uh, and I rented a little office and I wrote a screenplay that sits no, in. You know the what? Drawer. But you did you it know? and you went on that creative journey. I did, I did, and that was also that room was the first place that I. Uh, experienced legal marijuana in California because I was on my way to go right and stopped by the dispensary because I had gotten a prescription Look. and, you know, and got some stuff. Well, first of all, just like got there and I, I swear, I, I don't think I was examining, but I felt a surge of blood to my penis. Like, <laughs> like just seeing all of this different weed in on Santa Monica Boulevard Got me sexually aroused, just slightly, just a little bit. Um, but I, which I instantly the shame and embarrassment of that like made it go away. But, uh, but they is, gave me a, a little brownie thing that I thought, oh sure, I'll eat that and then I'll write. And then I just like was just incapacitated on my IKEA my <laughs> IKEA futon couch to the point where I had to call my ex wife and ask her if she could get our son from science camp 
because I couldn't drive. You must have loved that. Oh, well, actually, she was really, she was. Your stone husband who was supposed to be writing suddenly kept and interrupt her day. I interrupted her Pilates class. So not only that, she was fucking working out. And I'm like, and I knew there's no, I just was like, I got some weed. I ate some weed. I'm too high. I can't pick him up. And she was great. She was like, okay, you know, all right, it's okay. You know, you'll be fine. And did not attack me. You know, yeah. But I mean, she was cool about that when you're married to writer, writers can't write until they've gone to a marijuana dispensary, worked off a couple of times. Yep. Yep. Probably eaten two or three huge meals plus snacks. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's just me. My routine. No, no, no. Yeah, and jerked off a couple times till it doesn't really feel good. Oh, no. You know, till no. like the last time I was like, oh, that was gross. Yeah, you're just like, yeah. oh, when will my body stop getting out of the way of my crazy <laughs> Of my beautiful comedy. Oh, if it wasn't for this need for my body to make love to itself, I'd have finished it. <laughs> if it weren't for these talented hands, <laughs> damn it, I wish I was clumsy. If I wasn't so hot to myself, <laughs> imagine my creative output. Oh boy. Oh boy. Well, you, and now how long have you been in LA? Cause you're a native new, as they say, a native New Yorker. I'm glad you know that. Um, I have been in LA now for about uh, six years almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and are you, are you happy with that? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> really? This is a apocalypse of a city. Sorry. <laughs> Don't you think so? I'm always now. I just I've been here long enough now that you know it's and especially it's like when you have kids, the notion of like and first of all, we're in it like such a a, a ridiculous rarefied air that we get sure. to actually seriously think about. Well, where can I live? Oh. Whereas most people are like, no, I work at the fucking John Deere factory. I got to live here, you know? Yes, yes. So, entertainment you know, kind of the John Deere factory. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it can be. Not I mean, you're experience. No, no, no. It's all yeah. like, extremely ridiculous. And no, but you're here for the factory, the factory. And that's why I'm here for the factory. Kind of you you're know? working at this very privileged, very rarefied factory. And I, I'm sorry to offend all the uh, people living in LA who. Actually, no. literally just now, a bird started chirping outside my door. It's <laughs> made like the most poetic, beautiful bird. Right, right. Started to sing while I'm like, I hate it. Yeah, the Chamber of Commerce said it's 72. Send a bird over there to fucking <laughs> sing. Let's see her. No, see I am very native New Yorker, so I do miss. I do miss my New York City and my, and I do miss sidewalks. Yeah. So, yeah. That's yeah. I, it's, I have a lot of great things to it, and it is great. Kind of, you're also having the kid. It's great for kids. Yes, that's the, that's, we had our first kid in Manhattan and you just drag a stroller up and down some subway stairs. And I mean, like, you know what? Maybe a Volvo station wagon isn't that bad. Yeah. You know? Maybe having to ask for the kindness of random New York strangers to help you carry your stroller up the stairs, <laughs> betting on the fact that someone will help. All people, New Yorkers are great, so they do usually help. They really are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, were you raised in Manhattan proper? I was. I was wow. raised in Manhattan proper. I'm a Greenwich Village native. What did What did your folks do? And were they New York stalwart New Yorkers? They They were and still are Naganwood stalwart New Yorkers. Uh, my dad was a probation officer, um, and my mom was a teacher. So oh wow! Worked for the city. Uh, my dad is also a poet and a writer. 
Um, but mainly between crack and skulls, <laughs> crack and rhymes. Probation officers. Oh my god. Probation officers are not cops. Oh, right. Right. You said probation. You said Everyone probation. Thinks that you, when you hear officer, you just think police officer, but he was a probation officer. And when you say probation officer, too, like I didn't hear probation. I heard like corrections. You know, yeah, like, I heard no, like prison guard. Yeah. He's not a prison guard. He was a probation officer. It's, so it's the person that uh, people who I guess have been uh, convicted of some kind of crime have to check in with, uh, depending on their uh, sen- sentence. That's totally different. I, I, uh, my, my, Maya culpa. No, <laughs> he's more like a social worker then. It's a little bit of a social worker function, I think, in some parts of the job. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and they're both, uh, they're both from Brooklyn. Yeah. And was he uh, much of a disciplinarian because of that job or? Um, in terms of as a parent? Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, no, to your mom in the bedroom. <laughs> Mandy! Oh, God. I just want, can we just replay where we've started with diary in the bed? <laughs> we went to masturbating. Yeah, and jerking off. My mom yeah. did. <laughs> There's some weed in there too. Oh, yeah, the other weed. about you? Yeah, yeah. Um, my, uh, I am very close to my parents. They, uh, my they're both very interesting characters with very interesting backstories. Uh, so they're, they're particularly my dad, uh, very interesting background with a grandfather, my grand, his father, my grandfather was involved in some criminality in mm-hmm. his time. And so a lot of some trauma, I think more, I think he became a probation officer in some way as just reaction. Oh, yeah, a very sort of a solid risk-free job with the city to raise children. Yeah. Yeah. So there were there were like just people that sort of made their living criminally in his past. Uh at different at different times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's spicy though. It's some yeah, some spicy some spicy stuff. Spicy little light Jewish mafia involvement at different times. It's Honestly, that's exciting. You know, it's like, and you had that. You're just like one or two generations away from career criminal. <laughs> I, I'm not to be trusted, and <laughs> Not to be trusted. You've got this. it in you. You're like, you know, you're like a pit bull. Like, sure, most of them are sweet, but you never know when they'll snap. I, look, look, don't say that because the pit bull people. I know, I know. Very I know. protective. It was a joke, pit bull people. Pit bull people. Come on, pit bull people. I don't trust them, but. <laughs> Yeah, my daughter got bit in the face by one. So she? she did. I don't want. I mean, the story. It's a everything's fine and stuff. But yeah, that's that sort of like solidifies your. You just you know. don't know what they went through, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, they're really gonna get so mad. I know. I know they're gonna get so mad. Everyone should get so They're very, and I know some great ones. I do too. Oh, absolutely, I do too. But I just, for me, I think that you can look at a a golden retriever and say, I bet that dog's a good swimmer (laughs) and no one's going to go. No, no, no. That dog is, you know, that dog will find out what the owners did with it. Yeah. In, in terms of its swimming. Yeah. (laughs) I think odds are it's a good swimmer. No, that Dalmatian wants to run along that fire truck. <laughs> it <laughs> sure does. Well, I will, Dalmatians absolutely number one biters. I think. Yes. So worse than pit bulls. Yeah. Uh, well, when I think German my, Shepherd and Dalmatian are number one and two. 
in LA, it's in LA, it's just it's hilarious. Because why do I have these stats at my disposal? <laughs> in LA, I'm a, it's a full psycho. <laughs> they're they're at opposite ends. When we when we had the dog bite and went to the hospital, children's hospital, they said it's pit bulls and chihuahuas. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, just lots of chihuahuas because chihuahuas will bite you in the face. They don't care. Yeah, they're just like. Well, they're yeah, nervous. Chomp. Yeah. They're shaking on their if nerves. I was that little, I guess I'd bite too. Yeah. <laughs> so are you an only child? Is Was your... Uh... No, I have a, I have an older brother who's four mm-hmm. years older and I have a younger sister. So I'm kind of a classic middle personality. Mm-hmm. And did you, I mean, how was living in an apartment with a family of five? Did you have a nice sized apartment? Did you all have your own bedroom or did you share? Um... No, no, and yes. <laughs> yes, we shared. Um, it was a kind of, you know, it's funny because growing up, uh, you know, I'm 46, so I was born in 1975, so I'm in New York City in the 80s. Greenwich Village was not the neighborhood that it is now in terms of, yeah. like, uh, so fancy, fancy. It was kind of cheap and like a little bit above the poverty level, I think, at the public school that I went to in terms of like the median income. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so, but New York City kids are just very used to like, like most of my friends kind of lived the way we like people are just used to very, very, very small situations. And it wasn't until later, because you're also you're a kid and it's all you know. But it wasn't until later that I realized it was an absurdly small Yeah, apartment. It was very, very small. Um, and yeah, it was basically, I shared a room with my sister. Um, but then sometime, yeah, and there was one bathroom for five of us and one closet for all five people. But it all just seemed very <clears throat> normal to me. Yeah. Um, I it really remember. prepares you for a lack of air of mystery about living with other human beings. <laughs> yes, we probably all knew way too much. But um, I just remember this kind of, like, I don't know, sometime in the last 10 years, me and my mom went to the Tenement Museum in New York City, mm-hmm. which is a very beautiful, I don't know if you've ever been there. I've been, it's, it's fascinating. It's like it's fascinating. one of my favorite museums I've ever been to. It's like a perfectly preserved tenement from like uh you know, the late 1800s, I guess, or something. Yeah. And uh, it's like the immigrant experience in the Lower East Side. Anyway, so I went, I'd never been actually. And I went with my mom <laughs> and, you know, there's tourists from all over the place. And we go into like, there's one or two like preserved apartments. Uh, and we went into one and they're giving this tour about like how people slept in here. And, and all these tourists are like, oh my God, how did people live like this? And me and my mom are like, this is just like our house. <laughs> Because our building is an old tenement building. Yeah, but yeah. Anyways, but I, I love growing up in that neighborhood. And uh, my parents still live in the same building and the same apartment I grew up in. Oh, that's great. That, yeah, that kind of continuity is great no matter where, whether it's a farmhouse or, uh, a, you know, an old tenement, you know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a six-flight walk-up and that's the part that's a little. Oh, yeah, thing. that's, yeah. As they get older, too. That's. Yeah. Although There's, I imagine that keeps you young. You know, it's got to keep you in shape. They're in great shape, yeah. but I mean, yeah, they're in their eighties, but you know, they are dying in the world. New Yorkers, they, they love where they live and they're, you know, they, they're, they're classic sort of New York Jew weirdos. No, listen, so many uh, of the best people I know are New York Jew weirdos. It you doesn't know? sound the same coming from you, Andy. 
New York Jew weirdos. <laughs> we must. Yeah, the last name. Yeah, love, sort of, love, it, love. It, yeah, yeah. It hurts. Although there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, Jewish Richters. There uh, are. There are. There are because when we what moved is Richter? to Richter's German. Richter's German. Yeah. Richter's German. It means uh, and it comes kind of from the same root as um, Reich, you know, and and Richtig, <laughs> and Richtig, which is means correct. Okay. Uh, so Richter is either a judge or a knight. Ah. So okay. like the, a Richter is like the protector of what's right, you know. Oh, okay. I see that. So, yeah, yeah. It's very much so. No, but when we moved to New York City, uh, I started getting tons and tons of uh, uh, mail, fundraising for, mail for, for Jewish organizations. For JCC. <laughs> yeah, for just different ones because, uh, but just because, you know, um, uh, they uh, they name checked it as Richter, you know, and it made me think about it, you know, like, oh, is it? And then I looked and, you know, you could see lots of Heim Richters and lots of Shlomo Richters in the phone book. So oh, Richter. I was like, wow, OK, here, this is the only place I've ever been even remotely thought of as Jewish. So. <laughs> you know, in New York City, it, you never know. Yeah, you never know. Yeah. You never know. Watch your back. Watch your back. Just give your cars for the kids and then get out of there. Yeah. Just give the kids your car and go. Cars, kids I always have the kids. opposite thing where, you know, there's like the Lubavitchers in New York who like on Jewish holidays, like come up and want to like they stop people who they think look Jewish in the yeah. street to like come inside and pray or light the candles. And they I'm never I'm always clocked. <laughs> you just realize like you're like, I'm very Jewish looking face. And they're like, yeah. yes. Well, um, my ex-wife and I, we our old neighborhood. Uh, we lived in Hancock Park in a very uh, a very orthodox neighborhood. Oh, sure. And um, there, it was on um, uh, that. Is it uh, Yom Kippur with the costumes? <laughs> is that the one no. with the costumes? Purim, 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 Purim. It was Purim. It was Purim, and there was groups of teens in costumes doing fundraising door to door. My ex-wife and I were coming home from a funeral. So we both came out in black and we're walking up the front steps oh. and these kids came up and they were speaking to us in Hebrew and we we're like, what, what? And then just some old man who was driving the van yelled, they're not Jewish. <laughs> like, oh, okay. All right. Fine. I'm sorry that he cried. Yeah. Sorry. We just happened to be coming home from a funeral, you know? Oh, man. So. I hope you shot a gun in the air. No, I, I, I didn't. I did. I didn't. I didn't. The, I, I think they had all the guns in our neighborhood, actually. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah, well, yeah. It's not like there's never been anything that happened. No, listen, I, I if I were, uh, I, I'd arm up, too. Uh, arm, hi, arm up. Hi, history, history is on their side. Everything's on great. Um, great. Yeah, history's on the side of Jews amassing weapons. Like, it's, yeah. you know, I, I give them some slack there. It's got a little slack. Yeah. So, was it a funny house? Is it, are you a funny family? I mean... Um, I, it's an interesting question. I mean, not really. I mean, in some ways it was a very, uh, serious house. Like my, my, my father, especially is like a pretty serious person, but in a way, because he's so serious, like when he is funny, he does have like a very off kilter sense of humor. And, mm -hmm. so, um, like those moments really felt like, I remember, I think Neil Brennan described in his show, like, like when things are dark that like having a little humor feels like an air bubble. 
like when mm-hmm. you're it was like there would be little air bubble moments um but it wasn't like everyone was like an uproarious <laughs> yeah yeah stand up it was it was yeah political mm-hmm. like kind of serious political wise or just um i don't think of how i think it's temperamentally like my parent my dad's kind of a serious person and it was also a lot of i think like there's a certain amount of uh financial stress mm. and just having three kids and yeah. um like just i think even just the, just having three kids in general i mean i have one child and i'm very at capacity and i think having just having three children in new york city is hard yeah 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 so it was just like getting it done yeah i can see that yeah and it does when kids are little too you it's it's a grind it's you forget to be nice and you forget to be not tired and you forget to like put on a oh yeah a happy face sometimes cuz it is it's exhausting it's exhausting i mean i have to i always i've always been very appreciative of you know my parents worked very hard and my dad had at one point, three jobs that he was like, I never, we didn't see him very much when I was younger, just because he was always working, like, yeah. work during the week and then would work a night shift as a security or a long shift as a security guard at the Morgan Library, another great museum in New York City. So um, I was always very appreciative of the sacrifice that they were making to raise us. But especially since I had my own kid, whole new level of just, yeah. I mean, I am the most privileged in the world. Like I have an amazing full-time nanny who couldn't do anything without her assistance. I, and I, I really don't take care of my child all that much in terms of just pure hours. I mean, I work full-time. Yeah. Uh, but even it still feels overwhelming. And I, I guess I, I doesn't feel great to admit that, but I'd be lying if I said like it, I, I'm still exhausted by parenting. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, a little child because it is when you're in it, it's just so it's so boring, but the stakes are always so high. High stakes boredom. That's what I that's yeah. the co- phrase I coined for it. Uh, of, yeah. High stakes boredom of like being in the backyard with a toddler who's going to do the same thing. Yeah. 25 times, yeah. you know, and then that was <laughs> that was also like. That would that was I've talked about this before. That was the days too when like uh uh daddy would go behind the garage for a second and come back and be, and I had friends at that time who'd be like, you know, like like friends that smoked weed that they were like, Oh, and I'm never high around the kids. And I would just silently say to myself, oh. Well, what do you that's the fucking best time? To, what do you you're blowing it. That's yeah, no, yeah. you're really wasting. When are you gonna get high then? I know, I know. Like after oh, they're yeah, in bed. I'm, yeah, you don't need to be high. <laughs> um, no, I'm not a uh, I'm not really a pot smoker, but I you know, I just lean on alcohol and uh <laughs> uh certainly was always very careful about I just wanna say, never driving, never driving. But like sure, sure. home alone for an uninterrupted stretch, definitely Absolutely. pouring. Definitely pouring. Right. Which, Otherwise, you would go. Can you say F? Yeah, you can say fucking nuts. Fuck, um, hey, that's what I was going to say. Otherwise, <laughs> 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 you go fucking nuts. Yeah, you yeah. Go fucking nuts. Yeah. Really? And I, yeah. yeah. Anyway, it's, I mean, I always think it is like, yeah, it's a beautiful thing and it's the best thing, but it's also, it's like, 
it's the hardest thing. And it's not hard in like some sexy way that, you know, like rescuing people from a train is. <laughs> it's hard in a fucking dull way, in a boring way that you can't even complain to anybody because it's like you're complaining to someone who, if they have children, is going through the same thing or who is a product of that same tedium. Like yeah. it's not it's not like it's a rare thing, the tedium of raising children. You know, it's, yeah. it's always yeah. there. It's always and, there, but it does feel like you're really, I mean, it does feel like you're really not allowed to talk about it. And it's like, this is what I wrote about in my book is that it feels like anytime you try to tell someone about anything hard about your kids, if they don't have kids, it's like you're telling someone about your dream. Yeah. Like people tune out in the exact same way as when like trying to tell someone about a dream you had. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Don't care. Don't, don't care. care. Yeah. And yeah. It, no, sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and I think too, like, you know, you. It does make the lonely, it just does make the loneliness, the inherent loneliness of it is made, I think, even more lonely by the fact that, like you said, it's not like you're doing a lonely thing that people will be interested in later. It's like, no one, you really feel like no one gives a fuck. Yeah, yeah. And why should, because they're like, I got my own thing over here. Sure. And I think too, I mean, like, you're saying, you know, you have, you know, you have it all by some sort of standard. You know what I mean? By like the kind of the standard about, say, like when our mothers were were younger and they would be told you can have it all, which meant a career and a family and all that stuff. And it's like, yeah, you can have it all, but it's like that much more work yeah. and that much more stress and that much more, you know. Yeah. You know, you're if you're just supporting, if you're just taking care of a kid, then you feel like, well, I'm not expressing myself. And if you're working, then you're like, I'm not taking care of my kids. So it's just, you don't get to feel very good anywhere. Yeah. Especially if you like to not feel good like I do. (laughs) It's a real rat fuck, tough to tell. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, have you, how, how has that been, how has it been to kind of, have a career, an enviable career, especially in a, in an area. <laughs> huh? I mean, sure. I'll take that as a go. I don't like. No, that. absolutely. You've, I mean, I, I no, Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. I mean, I, I work in, I work in comedy and you've worked on some really fucking amazing things. You look at, you look at your resume and there's not, I mean, I, I don't even, I can't even think of like, oh yeah, that one. Like, oh, that oh, shitty well, job. I think some have been scrubbed from my MD. Oh, has it been scrubbed? Yeah. <laughs> no, but, I you know, I mean, I've done plenty, you know. Yeah. No, plenty I'm of how, jobs I'm that how, were how, jobs and, and it, you know, you get paid and yeah, because it's not that fun and it's not that, it's nothing that I'm like, you got to check out the new episode of, you know, Shitville that I just <laughs> taped, you know. I've definitely done some, some Shitville jobs for sure. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to just be so incapable of taking your <laughs> There are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are golden retrievers. Which means Tubi is more popular than using meat-flavored toothpaste. More popular than never figuring out what W-A-L-K spells. More popular than kicking your leg when a human rubs your belly just right. Tubi, it's more popular than golden retrievers. See you in there. 
Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben and Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. At Delta, we know Mike in 8C prefers reality TV to reality. So we provide more than 1,000 hours of in-flight entertainment. On the next flight, 8C is Mandy, a foodie. So we offer all types of food options. Because at Delta, everyone flies their own way. Delta, keep climbing. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network. So whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Can't you tell my love's a growing? But you have an enviable career that I think, you know, was kind of happening when, you know, when you were having a kid at the same time. And, and I mean, and, and I bet that was kind of, it, it was, it probably tore you a little bit in terms of like, here you got this, you know, this thing that everybody envies. And then you've got this beautiful child that, you know, is the real reason that we're here. And, you know, and that becomes so evident. I mean, was that tough to go through that or in terms you, of like missing my child while I was working and stuff like yeah. that. And I mean, it just feeling like, you know, this is having it all. Um, well, I really, I really, I mean, I'm not the first person I, the having it all phrase. I, I just don't understand what that phrase even really means for like anyone's life. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I know, no, it's a, it's a fuck you phrase. It's, I don't, it's like, it's like you can have what men have and have what women have, where men just have to have what men have. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like nobody expects them to have it all. I mean, well, A, because it's sort of like, well, they do. They kind of run shit. So it's like, yeah. yeah, yeah, men are doing just fine. You know, I think I kind of, honest, if I'm being truly honest. I uh, hope. I Yeah, that's, as I said that, I'm like, it's so gross to say. It's all been lies up to now. <laughs> um, no, for me, it's been more... Uh, you know, I'm trying to think how to say this. Like, I I don't want to say I don't miss my kid, <laughs> but um, a lot of the job, like especially when he was younger, like I mean he's young now, he's six, but um, when he was really little, I was kind of taking more time off. Like I was working part time and. I didn't feel like I was able because I was trying to be just a little bit more around and I was the one who had like the opportunity to have like a more flexible job. And so I was doing like consulting on shows or I'd be like two or three days a week and I, or, you know, and I'd have to put like kind of, I was lucky to be able to say like, I have to leave by five or something like that. And I, I actually missed working. You know, oh, yeah. very individual from person to person, how they feel. But I, I really missed like that feeling pre having a kid where you're just able to throw yourself into work. And like, 
if you're going to stay till nine o'clock to finish something or 10 o'clock, you're like, I don't, who's, no one's waiting for me. It doesn't yeah. matter. Like no one gives a fuck. And, you know, a little bit now, like, uh, I do so you do feel the weight of having to be the one who's like, I, if you're lucky again, this is all lucky luck, privileged luck, um, to be able to do, but there are times where I have to go home to relieve our nanny or because whatever, I have to put them to bed or, and you're, I'm like, oh, I, I, and you, and everyone's having fun finishing whatever the thing is. And you're like, I kind of wish I was able to stay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, that's, that's how I felt. And of course, and this most recently, the thing I just was shooting with, with Vanessa Bear and Molly Shannon was the first time I've kind of really fully show run a show where I was on set and it was such a crazy amount of hours. And then I was really missing my kid because I, yeah. you know, it's production. Yeah, but yeah. Hard, yeah. The balance is tough. And I'm, I've just definitely at times felt like I was, I do miss really being able to fully immerse in a job without thinking about feeling guilty or, you know, other responsibilities. Yeah. Well, it's, it's kind of like what the whole lost. I feel like that was part of why Lost Daughter was like such a great. People were talking about them. It was just letting like a, this moment of seeing a piece of art where it's like discussed that women don't like it can feel really good to be away from your kids. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, no, which I think dads are very feel very free to talk about, and moms generally don't. Not these are generalizations, but oh yeah, no, uh, I know dads that are like way too free. Like, I feel way too free to talk about. I remember a guy that I know, because uh, my, my son's 21 now, and kind of of the crop of my peers, we had the we had a kid really early. Yeah, like, we yeah, had yeah. one of the first kids of our group. Yeah. And I just remember having numerous conversations, and it was usually with like bigs, like the kind of the bigs, like guys that I knew that were like, you know, making some money and kind of, you know, everybody knew who they were and they just had their first kid and they're so happy. But I had so many kind of what basically I would translate into. So is it just about them now? Like, is it just going to be about the kid now? Yeah. And it's kind of yeah. like, yeah, yeah. Really? You thought like, it'd just be like 10 minutes of like, Oh, cute baby. Back to you, you know, yeah. Johnny Marquis. Um, <laughs> and I, I just, I, it, it was always kind of appalling to me or like, like one guy literally saying like, yeah, you know, when the, uh, you know, somebody gives me the kid and it's a baby, you know, and it's like, oh, it's cute. And I love it. It's my kid. But then after a while, I'm like, can somebody take this thing from me? Yeah. Wow. You feel okay to say that. Okay. Well, the thing is, I think women feel that just as much, but they're just, you really, really truly feel like you're not allowed to say yeah. and i mean and i think you know this this is all <laughs> i'm not blazing any trails in this observation but you know there's there's i feel like the cliche at least like in the in the john deere factory we're in <laughs> uh -huh. like you know show male showrunners certain kind of male showrunner who has like a wife and kids and just like they want to stay extra late oh, like yeah yeah like they don't want to go home yeah yeah it's like the person working really hard is at home. Yeah. You asked me, would I rather be like at work 
bonking dick jokes around for a living yeah. and like hanging out with a bunch of funny people or like being an hour six of being alone with a toddler mm-hmm. you know, if they're you know under whatever age like aren't even talking and you're that isolated i will take the dick joke room as i yeah, think yeah a lot of a lot of people would you know well it's also you know you're also too with like You're with people, professional funny people. You know, they're paid to be funny. Like, yeah, what, it's like fun. What, yeah, like what more could you want out of coworkers? And I mean, and it varies because some some rooms are bummers. Some rooms where everyone's <laughs> supposed to write, write comedy, it's like, come on, guys, quit screwing around and let's write some jokes, you know, just depending on who's running things. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, I, I, I mean... <laughs> There's a, and it was based on experience, but you know, that sign that you see drive, like your kids live here, uh-huh. you know, like, like I, I tweeted a joke about that, which is like, I pulled up in front of a house and sat in the car for a half an hour in silence before I went inside. <laughs> I, I used to do that. So, you know, I'd pull up in front of the house oh, and I could, I could hear the screaming and I'd just be like. So many. Yeah, maybe I'll listen to another half hour of Howard before I go into the house. <laughs> I've got to wrap up this, this, uh, this American life. What happens to them? <laughs> I mean, it's funny though because, like, well, you know, when you're talking about like the rooms that are bummers, where it's like, let's like let's stop fucking around and write some jokes. I will say that that is like part of the when you say like things that tear you up, like a little bit too since my son was born, like this most recent job I had a little bit, what sucks is that you do have to become the person who's like, let's stop fucking around. And yeah, write yeah. Joke because you've got to go home. Yeah. Like you do have to, you like, I, you know, I mean, I think everybody, most people do want to go home and you obviously don't have to have kids to have other loved ones you want to go see and right. live your life. And I do think like that's, best generally but i like just on a visceral level i think one of the things i do feel is that i like just to get the work done and the time as a mom that i have trying to like keep it moving so we can all be out of there by five o'clock suddenly i'm like it doesn't feel great it's not as fun you know it feels like sometimes you are a little bit of a it's just not as fun. Like can, when you're, yeah, you're the cop. Fun yeah. banter and everyone's like goofing around and diarrhea jokes and all that. Yeah. And like looking at your watch and like, guys, I'm sorry, we actually do have to work. Yeah. Becoming that person is a weird identity to become. Yeah, yeah. You know? I can see that. Because yeah. I also too, like I. It's I a balance. Had, you don't want to be an asshole, but you yeah. also need to go home. Yeah, no, I, I and I mean, in. I've never run a room. I've only kind of been like the little Lord Fauntleroy in the room. He's like sort of, <laughs> I don't like that ending. Think of something else, guys. You know, I mean, and I, I pitch too, but I, but I don't, I've never had to say, holy shit, we've got to get this script out. I've always been the jerk that's like, come on, like, let's just fuck around and we'll figure it out. And you oh, know. it's so much oh, to be the, to be the, we'll figure it out. Person. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I kind of call it like someone in the, cause I feel like this is what I've been on other jobs. It's just like a watercolorist. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Here's some feelings. Yes. My home. Mm-hmm. Maybe they feel more on we than angst. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Just like dipping in and out with some light opinions. Right. <laughs> and that is 
fun as fuck. I bet. I uh, bet. Yeah, no, I yeah. know. I have writer friends who are at that, you know, consultant position, go oh, in twice a week and. The best. Yeah. Just be wise and funny and chuck in a couple yeah. of jokes. Zoom in. And, and of course, I, I'm just talking about Bruce Valanche. I'm very close friends <laughs> yeah, with no, Bruce Valanche. I know who you're talking about. <laughs> um, so you go, you go to Vassar, uh, right? Yes, correct. Which is, uh, as, <laughs> as a woman, and I will remember, this, I was probably a teenager when I overheard this woman in an airport say, Vassar, a hotbed of lesbianism. <laughs> <laughs> that was, I was like, oh, wow. I never, I didn't, because I was from the Midwest. I didn't even know what Vassar was at the time. Sure. You know. But so you went to this hotbed of lesbianism, quite obvious, you know, sure. uh, for the lesbianism. Yes. Uh, well, <laughs> no, you went to, you went to. There's a famous, there's a Simpsons joke about Vassar, which I, I mainly went to Vassar because my dad wanted me to go there. I'll say that right now. And he kind of knows. Uh -huh. There's a famous Simpsons joke where, um, I don't know, she like, for some reason out of Lisa's control, she gets like an A minus and not an A and she comes home and she's like, now I'm going to have to go to Vassar. <laughs> and, her, and, Homer, and Homer says, there'll be no more Vassar bashing in this household, young lady. <laughs> if you went to Vassar, you're like, ah! <laughs> it's not Harvard. Yeah. But um, yes, I went there and there are some lesbians there, but uh, it's co-ed now. When she said that, she barely opened her mouth, people. She went, there are some lesbians there. <laughs> really. Well, I think part of why my dad wanted me to go there was, I, I, he'd be mad if I said this, but I think he was truly hoping that I would like never have sex. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly women. It's, it's co-ed, but it is definitely predom predominantly ladies. Yeah, still women, uh, yeah. Because it was women's only for a long time. It was women's only for a long time. And then they advertised the ratio now. I don't know what it is now. But back then they would say, oh, now it's about like 60-40, like 60 ladies. Right. And then you would get there and you're like, this feels a lot more like a 70-30. <laughs> a little straight girl yes. trying to get some action. I was like, and oh. That, yeah. And that's, that's the, great. That 30 is really an optimistic 30. That's like a real... <laughs> Like a hedging their bets kind of thirty. Yeah, I I'm mean, go to Vassar. Fifty percent of the thirty are gay, and then, <laughs> then now you're down to here's where I'm at. No, it's difficult math. I don't even want to. I'm not good at math. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. And then physically, like one stag, <laughs> just doe squirming around, and I, I was not uh, very far from the top of that pile. Yeah, yeah. Well, did you, I mean, you, you did some like kind of improv stuff in college, right? Is that kind of when you start taking it seriously? Um, I, I didn't do improv. I did. How dare you? I did. Um, no, right. That filthy <laughs> like, hind teeth of show business. So thoughtfully and so much research that I freak out. <laughs> um, no, I did. Um, I joined um, a sketch comedy troupe uh, mm -hmm. that was called Laughing Stock. You're welcome. <laughs> Oh, nice. And uh, make a good soup out of that. <laughs> and there, yeah, I mean, we thought we were much better than the other group, which was Happily Ever Laughter. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. But um, subjective. Um, yeah. Yeah, comedy, was... comedy teams and dog rescues, the worst named <laughs> things in the world. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, acapella groups, though, the worst. Oh, that's true. That's yeah, no yeah. Problem. But uh, yeah, I've never. Uh, performed or done any kind of comedy before, but I was always a very big kind of closet uh, comedy nerd, I guess. Mm -hmm. 
um, because again, this is from, I'm 700 years old. So <laughs> this is like pre-internet, you know, actually yeah. I think first, uh, like I just started like email was just, we got little like intercampus email, you know, that we would send from yeah. like that kind of thing. But anyways, so there just wasn't, you know, pervasive comedy culture to that you like you where you knew about so many other comedy nerds the way people yeah but um i had always really loved like the marx brothers i was super obsessed um i watched like so much um i guess comedy central was hot at the time i just Mm -hmm. end up and watched so much of that stuff and just always loved it but i was very shy (laughs) and not like um fake like when actors (laughs) you were like yeah 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 and um but then, yeah, I joined, I, I just on a lark decided to audition for uh, that group. And I, with a terrible, really some terrible material, but I did get in. And I do remember going on stage the first time in my first show with that group. And like, I, it was a very unforgettable feeling of like the first time getting a laugh on stage and just being like, <gasps> oh, this sure feels good. Yeah. 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 And I, and I, but I just had never got like, I had never done any kind of theater class or acting class. Like I had zero, zero. Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, do you, but the, you know, in not a too long of a time, you're doing stand up comedy, you know, it's like, and, and, and what happens in those years? Cause I know you, and you worked at comedy central, didn't you? Yeah. 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 It was actually a bunch. Well, yeah, I did. So I, I was in college and I had that little outlet and then, um, you know, I just had always felt very, uh, risk averse again, because of various family factor, you know, you just don't have the freedom that you might have if you sort of know you have a safety net of mm-hmm. what I'm going to do. Like, I, Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> you know, have you ever heard of this? Yeah. Yeah. Been discussed. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I had studied art history was my major at college use it every day. Good, good, good. Yeah. Everyone needs it. Um, and was, didn't know what I was going to do. And then, um, graduated and worked at a video store for a little while. And, uh, and then became, of, I, you get a lot of tail at those places. Oh, so many DVD <laughs> copies of Jumanji being slinged. <laughs> um, anyway, but then I started temping, um, I was temping and I temped my way into comedy central and I, uh, a job opened up as an assistant in development there. And I got that job and yeah. uh, it was like a very amazing time. It was right when South park was like just exploding. Um, I developed strangers with candy. I, I, I was an assistant when strangers with candy was being developed. Oh, and, wow. Um, Cause it was, and Kent Alterman was my boss. Mm-hmm. He was a very good friend of mine and, and ran com ended up running comedy central yes. for, through uh, it's goddamn salad days. Yeah, like, put so many great shows on the air. So many um, shows on the air it was so, so great to work for, and um, and yes, it was just brilliant and left a huge stamp on that network. But so yeah, his first time around there was when Strangers was coming out, and UCB Upright Citizens Brigade had yeah, their they had a show. show yeah. was on. So that's when I started working there, and it was just so exciting. And I also was just so thrilled to have this job. It was like fully just uh, being thrown into the briar patch or whatever. I'm making that reference. I'm like, what am I saying? But I, just, <laughs> so I was young and I was, um, 
I was so happy to have this job, but I was still very intimidated about performing myself. And it took me like several years to start doing stand-up. I, mm-hmm. I wanted to do it long before I started doing it. I was very, very scared about it. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you think, what do you think it is that made you do it? So, uh, you know, I mean, cause usually if you're that fearful about something for many years, it, it's, it's likely you're not going to do it. I mean, I, I just mean it's likely one's not going to do it. So yeah. why do you think that this had such a hold on you? I, um, I think I am just generally kind of, uh, very late bloomer, like in my DNA in terms of things taking me a really long time yeah. to like get to where I need to go. And I, I think I started doing it, I guess I, the first time I went on stage, I was like 26, which is kind of old, I guess, for standups. Like people, I don't know, it feels like people start younger. Usually, oh, I, I interview people on this and they're like, I first, I did an open mic at 15. And it's just like, what? <laughs> What yeah, I'm jealous of those. You know, I always feel like, oh, what, what would I just so well, just like what would I have done if I'd gotten a little more of a running start? But we are where we are. Yeah. Well, and, and also the notion of like at 15 or 16 being like, I thought it was okay to get up on stage and have a room full of strangers look at me. Like that's <laughs> like all, in and of itself, it's like I needed to be 22 before I even got over that hurdle. You know, I still don't totally. I mean, I, I do always feel like people like that though. It's, it's a muscle that I, or I don't know, just something I wish I'm so in awe of it. Like people always kind of had that confidence. Um, I'm still good. Confidence is the thing that I think I always just, I learn a lot looking at people who are able to just kind of really barrel forward and believe, (laughs) believe in everything they're doing. But, um, I think for me, it just really became like, uh, like just, it was like kind of literally tearing me up that to not do it. It was mm. just really a desperate need. And I, I was like in therapy about it and I just finally had to get over myself and do it. But I, I, I feel like I, I'm proud that I did it. It was hard. Yeah. 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 yeah it's, um, yeah, it's, it's but really, why did I do a desperate need for love and approval? <laughs> Same as well, everyone else, Andy. Well, uh, not everyone. Uh, you know, there's a few sickos <laughs> out there who are fine. Uh, <laughs> it's like when you know, when I meet people who are like, I've never been to therapy. I'm like, oh, God. What's oh, it's so shocking. Oh, my God. Never been that, to therapy. Person. What's that like to just be come off the assembly line and operate? You know, just do your job as a human, just chug along in society without any kind of like yeah, undercutting yourself or, you know, paralyzing bad thoughts. Fuck you. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Well, now I did want to say, because I can imagine, I mean, you know, it's, it's not an unfamiliar, you know, no, it's, it's been brought up before. There's performers who are shy, you know, and I mean, and I have a certain shyness to me. And so, and you'd be weird, like, well, why did you get into this? It's like, well, some ways because I'm shy and in some ways they're two different things, you know, like being, being on stage is different than going to a dinner party where I don't know anybody. Yes. You know, and, and it, and they're just, they're, they're like, they feel like different parts of my brain and my spirit, you know? Totally. Um, But I do, because people who are reticent, people who are shy, when they hear you say, 
you know, you wish you had this self-confidence and you wish you had all this, but you do it. You know, I mean, there's, you, there's clips of you on standup, you know, you've, you've done your own specials, you've written books. I mean, how, what would you say to somebody who would say like, who would hear you say, I wish I had that kind of self-confidence and they're going, well, wait, but you have all these accomplishments. How do those two jibe? I think I would tell that person to shut the fuck up. <laughs> it's a hypothetical person. That, really? it, was, it was really just me trying to find no, a question, no, no. you know. So. No, 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 no. I no. Uh, you know what? I think also I've learned a lot <clears throat> in terms of, I do think like going, there was a, a momentum to doing standup that did, it's funny when you bring up the thing about like being at a, you know, a dinner party is still, it's like a different animal in terms of the kind of confidence that it requires. Mm -hmm. But for me, it did, there was a momentum to doing standup where I feel like the experience of that, like actually it was a little fake it till you make it. Like it did actually a bit more confident. And I, the sort of skills that you have to learn or acquire being on stage and that you get from like muscling through um, I feel like I did carry over a bit into my personal life. Like I still, I wouldn't describe myself as a very confident person, but I'm much more confident than I used to be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For sure. Yeah. And I, um, in this podcast, the concept of faking it till you make it is a, is a very recurring theme. And oh, it's sure. been a recurring theme in my life still is, you know, in like, there's little micro fake it till you make it. So when you get into a new situation and oh. it just, you just have to learn like, you know, what are the real stakes? You know, nobody's going to kill you. Nobody's going to, you know, take you to jail. It, it, it'll be fine. You know? Yeah. Well, I think one of the things, and I'm sure you've seen this a billion times over yeah. from your seat in life is I like just at the point in my career, I will say one thing I've always found so interesting as I kind of got from, went from slightly bigger jobs to slightly bigger jobs and then became adjacent to starting to like, oh, this famous person or this famous actor or this famous comedian, as you do quickly see like, oh, everyone's freaking the fuck out all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like very few people, you just start to see like someone that, again, it's a cliche, but like someone you would think is very confidently moving through life is also a mess. A mess. Yeah. You know, a mess about their work or with a few, you know, a few exceptions, but yeah. yeah. I, I find that I grew up uh, with my, you know, in a, a stepfather and my mother had their own businesses. Yeah. And I saw that the way those businesses were run, which is, uh, kind of sit around and be, okay, you know, and like have coffee and chat until something, a fire breaks out and then put out that fire. Like yeah. there was, there wasn't a lot of planning ahead. There wasn't a lot of like an organizational structure. It was all just kind of catch as catch can. And I thought, man, I can't wait till I'm out in the grown up world where shit is organized and people have their stuff together. And then I work in like network television and realize, oh no, no, it's all just, it's all just putting out fires. Yeah. It's all yeah. just people like sitting at their desk, kind of hope like trying to be quiet and so they can just like listen to their podcast and hope <laughs> that nobody comes in and tells them to do something, you know? Well, there's also the moment where you like I remember when we first started doing Inside Amy Schumer and it was me and Amy and um 
our other amazing executive producer, Dan Powell. Um, like, I don't know when that show started, I was, I don't know, my late thirties or something, but it was my first time I was the head writer of that show. It was just really the three of us, you know, we're in charge of it. And like the first time issues came up and it was like, well, we're the ones who have to be like, it's just Mama and Dada. And then we're like, well, we're Mama and Dada. Like, I don't fucking know what yeah, to yeah. do with the problem. Right. And that feeling, like, I still kind of have it. I have it as both as a parent of my actual child, and I yeah. have as a work parent of people where I'm just, you know, always like, I'm the one who's in fucking charge. Yeah. And that's a real, that's a real fake it kind of, you know, cause you, people are watching. So you got to go like, well, what are my options? And you're, you know, okay, yeah. let's try this one. Don't you think that's good? You know, I mean, you if just got it. How many pillowcases I have in my bag. <laughs> <laughs> One's for morning. They know what they can hear the rattling. So what they actually can. <laughs> I actually do have something rattling in my bag right now, but it's my Advil. <laughs> It's Advil, I swear. Oh my god, the UTI uh, one, the anxiety <laughs> one. Oh, it's the number of medications and you know, and vitamins and oils, fish oils and whatever that uh, I take. It's like uh, I have to like around people, you know, that aren't my children. Like I have to be like, yeah, I have to take forty-five pills right now. <laughs> Give me a minute. Once you get, I feel like a moment where you really should start shopping for your grave is when you get those little rectangle pill things with Monday to Friday and you're just, yeah, yeah. I'll see you there. Oh my God. You have like a little makeup case. Ooh. This is yes. I'm. This is folks at home. This is a real peek behind. And the it's gold. It's oh, a gold. It's, it's gold a, and pink. It's a gold and pink Sephora, Sephora. makeup case I'm that sorry. I, that I hijacked probably five years ago. From, hey, Andy, I didn't know you were gay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm mostly gay, except oh for God, the except for, except for the having sex with men part. That's the part uh, that's like uh, I can't get behind that. That's um, no, that I I swiped that. That was like a surplus Ooh. from between my daughter and my ex-wife. Uh, like this big makeup case with that's clear, and I'm like, that's good for my pills. That's good for Grandma's your Grandma's pills will fit well in there. So. I in your pillies. Yes, yes. And you're so organized. <laughs> well, and then those go into the little thingy, like the little thingies in the kitchen where oh. re where grandma remembers. Yes, your Monday to Friday. Yeah, to take yeah. her pills. So anyhow, well, listen, we're getting close to the end here. Um, And you got a new book. Yes. Tell me about this book. That's okay. why you're here. It's not because of your love of conversation. Oh, shut up, Ian. <laughs> most I'm, I'm kidding. Combo I've had good, that in good. nine years. <laughs> no, um, good, good. I and I, I know. I, but I mean, but I want because I want to plug the book. I want to make sure that you get the, the book. Yeah. Um, this is a book that is called. Uh, I truly just had that moment where like someone asks you your name and you're like, I don't know. I'm not sure. Oh, uh, yeah. It's called. I'll show myself out. Um, and it's, uh, is this your second or third? This is my second book. Second book. Okay. Uh, you better enjoy it. Cause I don't think there will be a third. <laughs> <laughs> I realize, uh, writing books is really hard, but, yeah. um, uh, it's a collection of essays about, uh, midlife and motherhood. And, mm -hmm. um, I've been working on it for a real long time. 
And I wrote a lot of it uh, during the pandemic, which was a special experience. But um, no, I kind of got this idea after my son was born, um, you know, and was feeling a lot of the feelings that we've talked about earlier in terms of loneliness and isolation and I'm not liking this as much as I should. And and then also the absurdity moments where things are just, you can't believe what's happening. Yeah. Like, there was a moment when I was potty training, like what I dealing with the potty training stuff, which I, you know, there's no world in which anyone thinks about potty training before you actually have to deal with potty yeah, yeah. training. And then once you're, it's like buying real estate, like it's not interesting <laughs> until you're doing it. And then you're like, how is this not all yeah, anyone yeah. talking about <laughs> and, um, all the time? And yeah. I found it very difficult, but we were in the middle of that little struggle. And there was just a day where we decided he just, he was almost there, but then um, he just wouldn't pee in a toilet outside the home. We mm. could not get him to do that. And then we would have to drive home from wherever we were anytime. <laughs> He had to pee or poop. And uh, there was just a day where it was like, well, we're going to force him today. We're going to yeah. force him. We're going to take him to Starbucks and we're going to load him up with hot chocolate and he's going to have to pee there, which is basically child abuse. Coffee would be good too. Coffee's, Coffee yeah, anyway, coffee is instant laxative. You should have just espressoed him up. Yeah. And it just became a moment of, it was such a showdown. And I, I was me in a Starbucks, a public bathroom stall, like not a one you know. Oh, wow. And, um, he lost his mind. And when I'm sitting on the floor of a public bathroom and people are coming in and out and he's screaming like operatic, like mama, no, you know? And I'm like, you might like losing my <laughs> mind. And I was just like, make water. <laughs> but like, I'm like, this is, I used to be, it was like, I used to be somebody was like contender. <laughs> in those moments. So I was just like, I wish there was like kind of a book about this you know, and I feel like so many books that are written about, not to shit on other people's books, but there is a lot of books I feel like that are written about motherhood or parenthood are kind of like cutesy, mm-hmm. and like sort of like very broad. And I was, hadn't read anything that kind of to me balanced, like how truly dark, dark, dark it feels with also like being very funny yeah, uh, and going in between those two things. And so I, uh, I ended up writing this this book. Um, and just also the idea that mother's stories are like worth telling was another kind of thing that was on my mind in terms of uh, like thinking about like the hero's journey archetype in our culture where like we only tell, the only stories we think are worth telling, you know, it's like the Star Wars archetype of like a man yeah. goes on a journey and ventures out of town and slays a dragon and et cetera. And I, you know, I felt like, um, you know, maybe the hero, there's a hero's journey in, in this experience, you know, yeah. and women do, it's just, it's very internal. Yeah. And, um, but it's equally dramatic when you're in it. And, um, I just kind of wanted to explore that, I guess. Does that make it sound like a fucking interesting? No, it does. No. I, well, I'm, first of all, you're funny. So I know it's going to be funny, but I, but I, I mean, but it is, it's all, yeah. I mean, a, I have terrible attention deficit stuff. So like reading, like any self-helpy kind of book that I've read that I say like, oh, I read that. It means I read the first third of it. And I was like, okay, I can take it, you know. Oh, I've never read more than a third of a book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. That's a relief. But That's I mean, a- you know, no, it's hard. I mean, especially as you get older, it's hard to yeah, yeah. read a book. But that's 
I do think like essays is nice little chunks. Right, right. You don't feel guilty. You can little niblets. Right. You just, you know, you time them for each toilet session. You time them? Oh, absolutely yeah. time them. Yeah, yeah. Right, session. exactly. Or um, the drive to the store to get more toilet paper. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the audio book version. So many times. <laughs> um, well, where do you, where do you want your life to go? Like, where, where, like, if the all thing, <laughs> if, uh, you know, like, do you see yourself staying here? Do you want to, are you going to direct movies? Are you going to start a Christmas tree farm? Uh, you know, <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, that was somebody, that was a real series of options. Yeah. Yeah. Well, those are pretty, those are, those are pretty much the, movie, start the, the female, the female archetypes that I'm familiar yeah, with. Yeah, yeah. 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 Secretary, Christmas tree firm, director. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, I have no idea. I don't know. Uh, I really just find uh, as a chronic depressive, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, no, really all joking aside about that. Like just finding joy is like a big, just trying to stay on the joy path that sounds so la but no trying to find it, a work- it does it sounds good it's good <laughs> yeah <laughs> I really so. i mean i think i think people in oklahoma can get behind that you yeah, know? yeah. I, I, i'm a person who finds it uh and a really uh, i find it hard to be happy yeah um and so that is like oh i'm always kind of trying to figure out uh what it how did how do you do that seems yeah. like a big question for me all the time and it seems Working with your friends uh, seems like a really good one. Um, Just career and career stuff. I guess I've not worrying about things beyond just like, is this having, having the privilege to be able to pick some jobs that seem actually fun. Yeah. That's, that is like this whole thing. This show business is kind of a racket because you do get to have fun for a living. Um, and there, there is a yin to the yang because it's very stressful. It's hard to find positions, but you do get to have a lot of fun and you get to, you know. Yeah, at best. Yeah. I mean, you know, there are the jobs definitely where you're like, how did writing comedy become so awful? Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, that's all. I guess that's really I trying to live a life where like, happiness and joy are allowed to be the top priority is like however much work it takes and hard work it takes to keep that at the front feels good. Yeah. And then you've, you know, there's also the conundrum that I sometimes, cause I relate to all of that a hundred percent. And then the conundrum of like trying real hard to not try, like, you know, like, you know, like really focusing all your energy on having a light touch, you yeah. know, just, these very contradictory kind of things that yeah. seem insurmountable and seem just illogical. But once you're in them, you're like, no, no, that is kind of, you do kind of have to focus, you know, like you have to work hard at remaining open, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's not, and the whole point isn't the success either. I think it's just that you continue that kind of process. Yeah. Cause I think those, continued process closed process processes are what make you feel like okay well that's done now what whereas yeah. i feel like open-ended processes of you know learning yeah. to just be better at being alive 
those can sustain you for a long, long time. You know? Yeah, it's like finding that very beautiful space between just caring so much about what you're doing and also not not caring. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. just always remember, actually, that's a Kent, I, I'll just to bring it around to Kent one more time. I remember one thing that Kent said to me when, I mean, truly, I, I don't know, I was like 23 or 24 and I just started working with him. And I think we were walking to lunch or something. And there was, I can't remember what we're talking about, but there was, so, you know, there's some fire to put out about something. So yeah, yeah. I remember he was like, you know, he's like, it's important to remember it's just TV. <laughs> and, and I've carried that with me this whole, like I, in my most like, oh, what will we do? Yeah. You know, I'm like, oh yeah, it's just TV. Yeah, and yeah. The world is on fire and people are, you know, it's like, just, yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't all have to weigh so much. I've, I love to be in the position of so many people having finished an interview on the Conan O'Brien show and turning to me and going like, with real kind of like concern, was that okay? <laughs> and being able to say like, it doesn't matter. Like, yes, but also none of it matters. Like my answer is never no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although uh, for one or two, I was say, there might be ones that weren't okay. Yeah, yeah. Was this okay? This was fine. Oh, okay, it was, great. It was adequate. No, this was great, Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. This is so you know, fun. I know you're in the the final the the heading towards the end zone of a show, right? So it's just TV. It's just TV. It's just, no, it's a very fun show. But yes, it is just TV. But yeah, thank yeah. you so much for having me on. This is so fun. Sure. And uh, and the book again is called. It's called "I'll Show Myself Out," and it is available from all of your booksellers. Book pimps. Book, book your local indies yeah uh, as well as your giant monsters um on i think it's april 26th okay. okay we'll say that yeah april 26th don't buy it before or after just that day well, pre-order pre-order oh yeah pre-order the shit out of that thing pre-order the shit out of that bitch that fucker yeah go into your local bookseller and say i need a pre-order this shit Sure, yeah, they'll have yeah. it lined up for you. Yeah, the latest Jesse Klein joint. And they'll go, <laughs> well, of course. Oh, yes, we know. And then they'll be like, who is this person buying the book? <laughs> um, thanks, Andy. Oh, sure. Thank you, Jesse. And uh, thank all of you out there for listening. Uh, this has been The Three Questions. And next week, it'll be The Three Questions again. Got a big, big love. The Three Questions with Andy Richter is a Team Coco and Earwolf production. It is produced by Lane Gerbig, engineered by Marina Pice, and talent produced by Galitza Hayek. The associate producer is Jen Samples, supervising producer Aaron Blair, and executive producers Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Cody Fisher at Earwolf. Make sure to rate and review The Three Questions with Andy Richter on Apple Podcasts. Can't you tell my loves are growing? Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.